presented by Google. Hey, good morning. I'm Playbook co-author Eugene Daniels. It's Tuesday, November 28th. Here's what's driving the day. The funeral for former First Lady Rosalind Carter will take place today. The invite-only guest list is full of former presidents, current president, and vice presidents, and obviously First Ladies. President Joe Biden and First Lady Dr. Jill Biden, along with Vice President Kamala Harris and her husband, the second gentleman, Doug Imhoff, will be headed to Atlanta today. Also on the guest list will be former President Bill Clinton, former Secretary of State and First Lady Hillary Clinton, and former First Ladies Melania Trump, Michelle Obama, and Laura Bush are all expected to attend. A private funeral service will be held on Wednesday in Plains, Georgia, the hometown of the former First Lady. Also, the House is back today. Mike Johnson, the new speaker, will need to figure out Ukraine and Israel funding. And also the ouster, or not, of beleaguered Congressman George Santos. When asked whether or not he would put up an expulsion vote on Santos, Mike Johnson said, quote, that remains to be seen, but the resolution already filed. And a story out this morning from me and my colleague Betsy Woodruff Swan takes a deep dive into how Hunter Biden, the son of the president, has changed both his legal and PR strategy over the last few months and how that strategy is splitting the folks around President Biden in the White House, on the campaign and outside of that orbit as we head into the 2024 election. Joining us now to discuss that change in strategy and that split in Biden world is national politics correspondent Betsy Woodruff Swan. Good morning, Betsy. We worked on this together, so you're going to have to talk to me as if I don't know all the answers that you're going to give. <laughs> Got it. Sounds good. Well, um, <laughs> exactly. So, first of all, talk to me and the people about what the legal strategy for Hunter Biden was and what it's changed to. Hunter's legal problems first got really interesting in late 2018 when an IRS investigator began scrutinizing his financial dealings. And it didn't become visible to the public until December of 2020. By the time the rest of the public learned, the approach that Hunter and his team were taking that had calcified was kind of a two-part strategy of maintain a bare minimum media presence, keep it very limited, and engage robustly with the Justice Department, meaning communicate, share information. Hunter actually signed two agreements that are called to toll the statute of limitations. That means agreements giving the Justice Department more time to decide whether or not to bring certain charges. Obviously, that extends someone's legal jeopardy, but it's seen as a good faith measure that sometimes defendants will take in hopes of not getting charged at all. That was the strategy that Hunter Biden took for years. You saw very little engagement by Hunter Biden with Fox News, Rudy Giuliani, or sort of this cornucopia of characters who practically made his life story and industry for themselves. Then in the middle of summer, Hunter and his team negotiated a plea deal with the Justice Department that would have ended the criminal case against him. The understanding was that it would end without him spending any time in prison. But of course, there was a hearing in, in July that was a disaster for Hunter and his team. 
And shortly afterward, the plea deal fell apart. And what we now know from this reporting is that after Attorney General Merrick Garland named David Weiss, the prosecutor who'd been running the Hunter probe as a special counsel, that was an important moment for Team Hunter because then the view changed from we can constructively engage with the Justice Department to try to find an amicable ending. It changed from that view to the view being David Weiss has taken a draconian shift. He's taken an aggressive shift. And the view was that Team Hunter needed to start fighting back on multiple fronts rather than quietly hoping that the Justice Department legal problems would be resolved quickly and easily, then opening up space for him to try to resolve other legal problems in other forums. Yeah. And and it's not just kind of a legal strategy shift. There's also kind of like a PR shift, right? You just talked about how largely it was, you know, keep your head down, don't engage with the media. And if you do, you know, make it about the drug use, right? He wrote a book about that. There are stories mm-hmm. about that. But that's changed also, right? You have this USA Today op-ed where he's defending himself, knocking the folks that are spending all their time talking about his legal woes and, and legal issues. Issues. Talk to me about like why the PR changed, because largely the Hunter folks felt like there was kind of this void of, of defenders for Hunter at this point. That's right. The National Democratic Party apparatus and Democrats on Capitol Hill have been loath to defend Hunter Biden as a person or to try to engage in the project of correcting the record or, uh, you know, rebutting claims that Hunter's team views to be incorrect. Unless it's about Joe. Unless it's about Joe. That's exactly right. And part of the reason for that is that for the bulk of these Hill Democrats, they view Joe as a person who they lay down in traffic for, but they very much view Hunter as a totally different entity. And, they, and they've and they set a fairly low bar for themselves, which is just try to prove to the public that Joe Biden wasn't involved in anything criminal or even anything unethical. And if they can do that, then they're good. And it's very easy for these congressional Democrats to say, well, Hunter was a terrible person. He probably broke the law. He's very disturbed, as as one Democratic lawmaker calls him. But of course, on Hunter's team, the view is that strategy is not working. The, the polling that shows that significant percentages of the American public believes that Joe Biden engaged in criminal activity with his son or you know, benefited financially from crimes committed by his son, the polling shows that that's a message that has really had extraordinary resonance with the American populace. And so the argument from Team Hunter is leaving this message unrebutted is having real political consequences, and, and Democrats can't afford to not engage on this issue. Yeah. And then there's kind of like the political implications, right? It's not just legal, it's not just the PR of it, but the political implications of it. Hashtag Where's Hunter was on Twitter during the 2020 election. What his dealings were overseas were a part of the last election. They have been both a part of the criminal and civil cases that he's involved in, but also the congressional investigations that are happening. And Biden world is kind of split on whether or not this kind of new tactics that the Hunter folks are taking are the right ones, right? We have some that are a little bit irritated, was the word that was described to us, um, <laughs> that Hunter is taking this more. 
offensive posture that it could bring more eyeballs onto what's happening and possibly damage President Biden. Then there are others that are saying at the end of the day, it will work out for Biden in the end, right? <laughs> you, you have people saying you have to punch back, you have to do it, or it leaves this vacuum and someone is going to fill that. And to them, it's going to be the bad actor. So talk to the folks about what we found in our reporting on the two sides of this issue. Yeah, one of the things that was a helpful way of looking at it that um, was your reporting on here is that there's kind of a generational gap in the broader Democratic Party space in the Biden world space, where activists, operatives, aides who came of age during the Clinton scandal era tend to be much more lowercase c conservative about engaging with critics and particularly engaging with allegations that are not just super substantiated and buttoned up. And the concern is that by arguing or, or debating or trying to rebut these people, it dignifies and legitimizes, you know, the Rudy Giuliani's of the world. They didn't want to do that. And the alternative view, especially among people who cut their teeth politically during the Trump era, was that's ridiculous <laughs> of Twitter and social media and digital media. You can't afford to wish these things away. And there's very little political harm to be suffered by fighting back hard against people who make eyebrow-raising allegations about your family. Something that I think everyone saw during the Trump administration was anytime anyone said something about Donald Trump, there was this dramatic, over-the-top, very aggressive, very direct pushback. And there didn't seem to be any evidence that that caused political harm to Trump when he was president, if anything, quite the contrary. And to the extent that sort of aggressive counteroffensives as a mode is something that these aides saw Trump engage in, there is a view that, oh, maybe he was on to something tactically, something that can be replicated now in this new post-Clinton internet-dominated world. Yeah. One thing that's for certain after this reporting and after this story is that this shift probably isn't changing, that it's going to mm. continue. So Hunter is going to stay in the headlines, counter-suing and counter-punching. And some people in the Biden world are not going to like them. They're going to have to deal with it for as <laughs> for, for an entire year. Betsy, it was so lovely working with you on this. Thanks for coming on. It was really fun working with you. I really appreciate your help on it. I'm glad that's how the story turned out. And for your schedule today, the Senate and the House are back from Thanksgiving break. And as I said, President Biden will be in Atlanta for the tribute service for Rosalind Carter. Biden will then head to Denver, Colorado, where he will participate in a campaign reception. I'm Eugene Daniels. Thanks for listening. <laughs> 